you go through life not knowing and then you go through life learning after. So I think it's my way of that is definitely to let myself not know and, and to just live it. Welcome to another episode of Right of Your Life, where life happens and life storytelling transforms it. Our show is brought to you by lifestorytelling.com. And guess what? You don't have to be a writer to write your life stories. Lifestorytelling.com will teach you how. If you've been through hell and lived to tell about it, or your family skeletons are poking out of the closet, you'll want to check it out at lifestorytelling.com. Next up in our songwriter series, Mia Z, a 16-year-old Pittsburgh native, so impressed judges on season seven of The Voice that they made a big exception for her. Normally, only the finalists get a chance to record a single at the end of the show. But coach Pharrell Williams was wowed by Mia's range and her passion for singing the blues at such a young age. Even as she made the semifinals, Pharrell was making plans for her. So on the night of her elimination, Mia's huge consolation prize was the chance to record the song Child, which Pharrell wrote for her. Two weeks after the song was released, Mia's single was in the top 20 on the iTunes blues chart. Her version of Ain't No Sunshine from The Voice cracked the top 50 on iTunes overall singles charts. Welcome, Mia, and thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Mia, I understand you just recorded a fabulous song with the wonderful Luke Wade. Yeah. How was that? That was amazing. I actually just, it sort of just happened. I was out at the voice finale and I got a call from him and his manager asking to do Ain't No Mountain High Enough with him and it all just fell into place really nicely. Yeah. Lovely. That is fabulous. You have a unique perspective of sharing your life with the world and that you are how old are you? 16? Yes, I'm 16. Mm -hmm. 16 years old and your life has just been changed tremendously. Can you tell me a little bit about how that's changed Yeah, since you've been on The Voice? Yeah, so after being on The Voice, um, the day that I actually got voted off, the following day, Pharrell, my coach, asked me to go um, in his studio with him and record a song on just based on, you know, how I felt after I got voted off and my emotions and my feelings and what I, what I was feeling at the time after I did get voted off in the top 12. And he sort of took everything that I said and we created this magical song called Child About It. And that right there on just changed my life tremendously. And also being on The Voice and coming in the top 12, meeting the artists, the staff, the coaches has just, you know, was such a blessing and definitely tremendously changed my life. Yeah. Wow. And so you were singing about your emotions. Was that hard? Singing through your emotions of, of being voted off and and yet you were in the presence of right. <laughs> you know somebody huge a mentor probably and how did that feel for yeah, you? Yeah, it felt it felt great because you know singing about how you feel after something so tremendously you know changing is very it's it's like therapy it helps you get through it and it helps you relive it when you listen back and just feel those emotions and just really take in the moment that, that you're living in and to sing about it is even is even cooler. So I definitely, I had a great time, you know, expressing how I felt and then singing about it for sure. Now, did you write that or did he write that? Um, He wrote it. He just started he playing wrote like minor chords because that's what I all my songs are in. So then I just said how I was feeling and he took everything and, and just made it a song. So it was really magical. Wow. Yeah. I love that collaborative effort. Sometimes it seems like songwriting or writing about your life is so solitary. Yeah. 
right? But this was someone else helping you get those emotions out and putting voice to those. Absolutely. That's something that maybe all of us can do is have a, a partner maybe sometimes uh-huh. and help help get that. My mom does that a lot with me writing my music. She says, Mia, how are you feeling today? Like, what do you want to write about? And a serious, you know, you know, something that happened in your life and, and you write about it and it's, it's turns out to be, you know, your emotions and how you feel. So it's, it just happens naturally, actually. It's really cool how it happens for sure. That's lovely. Have you found that that's one way to connect with your audience as well? Yes. I mean, definitely. And I, my music definitely that I write, it's life that goes on with teenagers, with adults. So everything that happened to me, it's really, um, I try to make it, you know, they can connect to it and get it and feel the same way or they've lived some, like some kind of heartbreak or lost a friend. So it's definitely all relatable and it really, um, it sticks with you and you can, you can listen to it and you can feel it and you can um, agree and connect with it for sure. Right. Tell us a little bit about your background in music. Have you been playing music and singing forever and ever? Yes. Actually, my grandparents started the whole musical family kind of thing. They were in a big band together in the day and then my mm-hmm. mom and my uncle they got in a band at a young age together, and they stuck with it forever. They're actually in my band now. So, oh wow! Um, my whole family—I was just born into a family of musicians, and I was really, you know, blessed and lucky for that, for sure. And then I just got a liking for it at 12 years old. I wrote my first—you know—I did my first album, but in previous years I sang backup vocals, little things like that. But for four years now, I've been having my own band and performing and touring around Pittsburgh and and playing all original music that my mom and I write. So it just sort of took off and. I'm living the dream. Your life is not the typical teenage life, right? Not really, yeah. <laughs> Give us some insight. How does that work? Are you do you have are you homeschooled then or do mm-hmm. you have, you know, some correspondence course of some sort? Yeah, so I was actually this is my first year of cyber school and I'm in 11th grade, so all my previous mm-hmm. years I've actually been in high school and middle school and elementary, so I I've done it all, but I actually being that I do want to further my career and I don't have enough time to go into school and interact. So I do a cyber school with my homeschool, Kiski area. And this is my first year. I'm doing okay with it. You know, it's working. Are you? Yeah, it's a little uh-huh. hard time. So I'm not used to it, but um, it's going well. So that's what I do for school. Good. And then how do you connect with other kids? Are you teenagers? Mm-hmm. Do you have set aside time for that? Um, not really. I, I do. I I talk to friends like that I've had in high school and sometimes I'll see them at football like I went to a football game just to show my face and be supportive of the team in the school and I seen all my friends there how are you doing we need to hang out so I definitely keep in touch but I don't get to spend too much time actually with them right what do you have going on for the future because I know you've you've been on tour a little bit Mm -hmm. right yeah with Luke Wade I did a little tour Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to move. I am in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is where I've lived all my life. But I'm hoping to move either to New York City or LA to find um, a younger band that can tour with me and cut an album. So those are my future, near future plans that um, I'm really hoping to uh, accomplish in the next few months. What would you recommend? Like if there's someone who says, man, I, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to write my own songs. I want to sing. I want to perform and start small, but maybe eventually get big. What what pieces of advice would you give a, a child that's right. interested in that? Yeah, to definitely stay yourself. I mean, I know that's so cliche, but it but it means something to definitely be yourself, stay yourself, look how you want to look, sing how you want to sing, write how you want to write, and and just make your own music and, and follow your dreams because that's that's what I've been doing and that's what I'll continue to do. And it and and it 
it has done a lot for me. So I think, you know, 16 year olds and even younger and older of my age, definitely just be yourself and, and sing how you want to sing and write the music you want to sing about and, and do it and never stop for sure. Do you feel the pressure to to change or to do things the way, you know, other people want you to? Um, No, I actually, I don't. I just, you have to be respectful of how people, you know, being on The Voice, I got a lot of that. Like, well, you should try Mm -hmm. singing like this or you don't pronounce your words or stuff like that. But those are the little things you take into consideration and you respect. But you also, like, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I, what I, who I am and how I want to be. And I think that's just, you know, a confidence kind of thing and don't change and society will try to pull you and pull you into their, to their sort of, you know, mindset, but you got to keep your grounds and keep your head high and, and stay who you are and stay with what you believe. So just to be confident about who you are and, and, and never change for sure. Absolutely. And then you, uh, you said you mentioned that you and your mom write songs together mm-hmm. sometimes. Yes. Tell me how that process works so my mom she we have keyboards all through our dining room and we have a studio in my uncle's old grocery or my pap's old grocery store and she'll get on the keyboard and there's a mic set up at all times and she'll be playing in minor chords and I'll just come over and start singing and my mom knows exactly what kind of chords I like exactly what the mood and the vibe I'm going for immediately when I start singing and I don't necessarily sit down and like write my lyrics it's whatever I'm feeling in that moment if I start to uh-huh. sing about you know a certain word and and then I'll build a song off of that because that's that's truly naturally singing how you feel so that's how all of my songs come about and my mom and dad my mom will write all the music to it and I'll come over and just start singing and then we start to piece a chorus a chorus a verse a change and and that becomes a song yeah that sounds like a lot of fun and not work. It's definitely, yeah. And when she makes, tries to make it work, like, let's try to sit down and write lyrics. It feels like school to me. So I sort of like, I'm like, no, mom, I don't want to. <laughs> but it's very naturally. It comes naturally for sure. Fun. So what what types of things do your does your mom do that besides that, how, do, how does your mom encourage your, you know, your talent and your growth as a musician? Right. Well, being that she is a musician of her, of her own and my whole family that surround me, surrounds me every day. They are musicians. So they've lived through it and I've got to experience a little bit of that. But they're very supportive in, you know, my mom never tries to change me. And if I'm not in the mood to sing, then she won't she won't make me sing. So it's definitely mm-hmm. she supports me in the ways that that I need to be supported in and not everybody, you know, gets that. They're sort of like, well, make her do this, make her do that. But my mom lets me be me. She lets me sing how I want to sing and that to me is most supportive by just letting somebody be themselves and that'll get you that'll get you far in life and that'll that'll be you know very 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 you know supporting so she just she just lets me be me and anything i need help with if i have a question if i'm just nervous about something you know she's also my mom but she's also up on stage with me so it's a very cool bond right. that we we share that always feels i'm supported so really cool how lucky that's wonderful have you ever written a song or sung a song that was so personal that it was difficult maybe to to relay or difficult to even perform um absolutely yeah absolutely i actually wrote a song about a close friend of mine who first let me perform at um one of their venues a little restaurant and she passed away on a plane crap in a plane accident and it's on my first album my first little demo and we wrote how we were feeling in the moment when they were searching for the plane were they were they living were they did they crash and it all it all sort of happened and we wrote my mom and i wrote a song about it and that 
was one of the hardest songs I think I, I had to sing because singing it to the audience, they, they knew who I was talking about. Some of her close friends were there and mm. I would almost break down and start to cry. But that's that was one of the, the, the really most emotional songs that I've ever wrote and tried to perform. But um, it's a great it's a great song. Yeah. And then do you do you have to kind of rein in that emotion when you when you continue to perform it that because it bring, brings back memories, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. Every song does that. Mm. You definitely have to set your back Set yourself back in that moment and that emotion, and and just and just sing from your heart and your soul, and that's that's what I do for sure. Oh, I love that. What what advice would you give to parents who are wanting to support their their kids doing this? Maybe some other teenagers wanting to have a musical career, uh-huh. and their parents weren't raised in right. in other musical families. And and is there anything that besides being openly and very mm-hmm. very supportive? which is fabulous. What, what other what advice would you give? To definitely, to um, you know, respect what us as teenagers want to sing about and what we want to look like and how we want to portray ourselves and to just, you know, support them in every possible way you can, obviously, but don't, don't, don't push it too hard. Like let them, you know, feel their way out on how they want to, you know, vision themselves and set themselves to be musicians and artists and to just freely let it come naturally and, and help them and, and um, just, but also let them have their time and their spaces, you know, the teenagers they want to be and also the artists and musicians that they want to be in life for sure. Excellent. What is one thing that has you excited about your writing and your business, your music business up in the, in the next coming years? Um, definitely just my style is, is also it's, it's a lot of like Amy Winehouse. It has that kind of vibe going, mm-hmm. but it's also my own vibe. And it's very, um, it's very me. Sometimes I'll sing lyrics, sometimes I won't. So it's, I'm sort of figuring out where my audi- my audience is that can really, you know, respect that and understand it. But um, I'm really excited just to continue to write music and to sing and to perform and to tour and to just live the dream and let it let it all happen, you know, very naturally and, and just live in the dream for sure. I love that. And you are so sweet. And, <laughs> and it's wonderful that you've been able to stay yourself and your own persona- personality. And what a gift that you have. Thank I you. really appreciate you sharing that with us. If you were to think back, what are three things you wish you'd known before you reached where you are right now? Mm-hmm. What would you say that you wished you had known? I wished I had known. Well, to be honest, I... I I don't know if I can answer that. I think it's definitely, you know, you you go through life not knowing and then you go through life learning after. So I think it's my way of that is definitely to to let myself not know and to and to just live it. Like a lot of things on the voice I didn't know and I just I just lived through it and I just did it and I pushed through it and and now I know. So I think it's my perspective on that is definitely what do I know now? So I never thought I I'd wish I'd know things. I think it's just it happens and, and you learn for sure. So you're comfortable in that not knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And enjoying the experience as it goes on, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. That's all you can do for sure. Wonderful. Well, Mia Z, thank you so much for your time. This has been fabulous. Thank you. And best of luck in your career. Thank you so, so much, Stacy. I really appreciate it. Great information from Mia Z. Now, periodically, here on Ride of Your Life, we'll answer some questions that folks have about life story and memoir writing. 
If you'd like to ask a question, just go to rightofyourlife.com and click on the green bar on the right side of the website, and you can record your question there. If you do so, we might feature you in an upcoming episode. This past week, Morgan McDonald of Paper Raven Books and I hopped on a blab and answered some of these questions. So let's listen in. We're here to talk about questions about writing your life story because I know and Morgan knows that it's really beneficial even for non-writers to write their life stories and talk about what's happened in your past. And you can share your stories in a variety of different ways. I have a couple of questions, Morgan, for you because we do have a lot of questions come to me and come to you as we're in Facebook groups and things like that. People know what we do. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, I mean, this is a big question, but how do you write a memoir that will sell? Mm, this is a big question. What I actually recommend is when you want to write a memoir, it's usually because you have some sort of struggle or trauma, you know, that has led you to like an epiphany or victory of some sort, right? And so you've been through this like really intense journey. Uh, maybe it was a journey of a couple of years. Maybe it was a journey of a lifetime. You never know. But usually when you have that kind of story to tell, I recommend that people write the first draft just for themselves, not with an idea of publishing it or who's going to read it or anything like that. Because Really, and I mean, you know this as well as I do, that you need to heal through a lot of that struggle and trauma, and you're going to spill out really personal details, and <laughs> you're going to name names and, you know, blame people, and that's just part of, like, the writing process, especially of a memoir, and that's okay. So for that first draft, like, not to edit any of that out, it just spill it out, you know, Stephen King, um, his analogy is that you, or his, I don't know if it's an analogy, his metaphor, is that you close the door. Right. So pretend that no one's in the room with you and you're writing your first draft and no one's ever going to read it. Right. Then when you go back into revisions, what you want to have an eye for is is now the reader, the reader's experience. So what you went through this journey, this healing, this transformation of some sort. <laughs> and now you want the reader to go through some sort of journey, too. So now you're going to cut and rearrange and delete some stuff that's not relevant to the reader's transformation. You've already had your own transformation. You got that when you wrote the first draft. Exactly. Now you need to help someone else with their transformation. So you need to think, well, is it helpful for them to know that when I you know, was five, this traumatic thing happened? Maybe, maybe not. If it's not immediately helpful to that reader, then cut it out. Or you know, consider putting it later as a flashback when they'll understand it better. Um, but Pulling that reader in for that reader's transformation is how you get a book that's marketable because you can talk to people as if like, you should read this book because it will benefit you in this way. Right. And a lot of us are not, you know, even to that point yet, mm -hmm. but so it's that very, very first draft. You've just, like you said, you've just got to get it out and whether you think it's relevant or not, write it down. Get yeah. it, just get it out of your head and onto paper. Well, let me ask you, I'm just going to jump in right here. But I mean, you've yeah. worked with a lot of memoirs. So how have you seen that people are able to like heal through writing this first draft? Actually, yes, that first draft and that getting it all out on paper is really, really important for people, especially who've gone through some traumatic events in their life, either a really horrible divorce or a death in the family or some disease or something. You know, life just throws a bunch of crap at us. So when you have that, it's really important to write it down either afterwards or even while you're going through that event. And 
the reason that is, is because when you go through a traumatic event, it is actually placed in a certain part of your brain that's not stored with memories. It's in an actual different part of your brain. And so it can, t- can continue to hurt you time and time and time again, far beyond the time when you should have moved on from that. Or, you know, you kind of have recovered on the surface, but it's still deep inside getting to you. What writing does is it makes that trauma lose its power. Mm-hmm. And it takes it, when you're writing it down, it takes it from that place where it's not supposed to be, and it moves it into the place where memories are stored, and they can be packed away nice and safely, so they can't hurt you again. It's still there. I mean, you still have that memory, but it's not re-hurting you over and over and over again. That's why I tell people who are not necessarily writers, who are not writers at all, there are a lot of people who hated writing in school. This is not your school type of writing. We're not counting grammar. We're not, you know, punctuation is of no import right here. We're just talking about getting your thoughts and feelings, your experience out on paper or in your computer so it can't continue to hurt you. And you can learn the lessons from that. I think some of the biggest lessons I've learned were from writing about my life experience. Even though we go through life, we've experienced life, it's our experiences Oftentimes, we don't recognize the lessons that we've learned mm-hmm. and until we write them down. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that's, that's really important for anybody to write it down. I hope you like that Q&A. At the end of each episode, I peek into the Life Story Toolkit and share information on one particular tool that you might consider using if you're writing or would like to start writing about your life. The Life Story Toolkit is sponsored by LifeStorytelling.com, where you can find your life theme, discover where to start writing, and craft your life into a compelling story. This episode's Life Story Toolkit features a software tool called Write It Now. This software is at RavensHeadServices.com, and it helps keep your writing organized. It coordinates your scenes as well as your thoughts, and it helps with keeping your timeline straight for chronology and continuity. It helps you keep track of your characters, conflicts, storylines, chapters, and keeps them accessible on a sidebar at all times. The software is priced around $60, but it has a free demo version you can try to see if you like it. Well, that's all we have for today. In the last episode, Luke Wade discussed writing songs about shared experiences. So if you've ever connected with songs because it felt like they were singing about you, you might want to go back and have a listen. Next week, we'll interview Shelly Coley, our third recording artist in this songwriter series. If you like this podcast and find it valuable, would you consider sponsoring the show? You can support it by sharing each episode on your social networks, and you can head over to our special page at patreon.com slash right of your life and become a patron. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash right of your life. Not only will you feel good knowing you're helping the show, but there are special perks for supporters. If just 15 people provided $5 an episode, it would help us reach many more people who could benefit from writing about their lives. We love our listeners and would enjoy interacting with you on social media. We're on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can hold a great virtual conversation. My handle is Right of Your Life. This show is put together by consulting producer Nick Jaworski at podcastmonster.com and myself, Stacy Curtis. We hope that today you have 
the right of your life. <laughs>